Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops-Tay Sequatman territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequatman-Ulu. And today's text, Batman vs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, is set in Gotham City. But mm -hmm. we all know that's a stand-in for Manhattan, which is the traditional home of the Wappinger and Munsey Lenape peoples. Right. Joe, mm -hmm. it's like a crossover event. It is, indeed. And I'll confess, this felt like a novelty, which is why we both kind of chuckled when we said we were doing this last week. Yeah. And then at the end of the animated film, there's like three minutes of comics that they show and you're like, oh, these two properties have been crossing over for many, many years. <laughs> this is not novel. It's just new to us. I think you've been pointing out my trepidation for the last few days before getting into this. And I think part mm -hmm. of it is that like... I am extremely ignorant about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. I know a bit of Batman, but I know, like, the snobby Batman. Like, I know, like, the Dark Knight <laughs> and stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know, hoity toity, like... Brenna. I only watch Christopher Nolan Batman. <laughs> but no, I guess what I mean by that is, like, I, okay, so I was not a DC Comics kid, first right. of all. Me so, yeah. you know, the whole Batman, Superman, like, that world really passed me by. I was mm -hmm. deep into X Men and that yes. world. Absolutely. Hardcore right there with you. Yeah. So like, that's the first like point of ignorance. And then, yeah, zero knowledge of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then it's like telling me that you've mixed together two things I know nothing about. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to try to not sound ignorant on the air. Because like, <laughs> you know, in an ideal world, Joe, I would have like, looked into this more. But instead, <laughs> I just read the comic, watched the movie and came here to chat. <laughs> yeah right before the recording she's like i just don't find the teenage mutant ninja turtles all that compelling and i'm like that's fine i mean part of this is that you shouldn't have to have you know 80 to 100 years of comic lore history in your brain <laughs> to appreciate certain things so yeah folks we're probably going to get a bunch of stuff wrong yeah. about both of these properties and that's okay because at the end of the day there's still a bunch of folks like you and i brenna who pick this up because we're covering it on the show and it's like cool what you got for me and i will say that i struggled as we read the comic because i was mm -hmm. like this isn't ya right <laughs> but the adaptation actually makes it very clear that the ninja mm -hmm. turtles who are mutant are actually in fact teenagers <laughs> yes and also the adaptation adds some very teen batman characters namely batgirl and robin right. and, and so that dynamic is really fleshed out and i kind of got it way more in the film version than i did in the comic itself but i guess yeah. i guess we should tell people what it's about for sure yeah tell me all about this comic brenna how are you gonna synthesize this <laughs> badly i'm gonna do it badly and listeners i love you and i love hearing from you but also i really want to encourage you to not send in any corrections about this episode because <laughs> <laughs> unless you're max because max is the one who recommended this for us max is allowed to be mad at what happens in the next 40 minutes but everybody else just needs to chill you know <laughs> that's all i'm saying pushes glasses up nose mm, actually <laughs> okay, okay walk me through this 
So this Batman slash Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover is a six issue miniseries mm-hmm. starring Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's written by James Tynion the Fourth and drawn by Freddie Williams the Second. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm loving the these names. <laughs> and then you and I who are reading it for the first time. Oh, nice! I like that you did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the general overview is that <laughs> the turtles. And their, like, biggest, like, enemy guy. Yeah. Now, oh, look at me with the big words. Um, (laughs) Enemy guy. Shredder. Shredder. So they've been transported to Gotham City. Mm -hmm. But it's like an alternate universe Gotham City. So, um... Like, I don't know where... Do the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live in New York in real life? And they like, do, yeah. So oh, okay. they live in one version of New York. And then, yeah, they get basically transported through time and space to a different meta-universe, which has Gotham. And that is where Batman and Batgirl and Robin work. But it's Batman's real universe. It's not like some third universe. Like the Teenage Mutant no, Ninja Turtles... it's not a new one. Batman's universe. Okay. And so um, they end up... Like, there's this this whole sort of criminal like ring happening in the background because th- at the beginning there's this power generator that gets stolen that's like mm-hmm. where the story opens yes um, we're stealing a bunch of tech around the city and it seems to be for the purposes of putting together a big machine yes and so um the ninja turtles are like well maybe this equipment could help us get home mm-hmm. and batman's like there's new guys in my territory and they're also mutants which is weird Right. And then also at the same time, like the the asylum in Gotham City. Mm-hmm. Arkham. Mm-hmm. There's like this oh, okay, so there's this mutant serum. Sorry, I didn't mention that. <laughs> Show, this is gonna go so badly. Okay. And the mutant serum, the turtles need it to stay like themselves. But if right. other people take the mutant serum, it turns them into mutants. And there's like a right. limited amount of it left in this universe that we're in right now. Yeah. Like if the if the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had stayed in their own universe, they would be completely fine because they've already been transformed. But by coming through here, wacky science alert, they have basically lost that. So they need to either take this serum or get back to their universe or they will regress back into traditional little turtles. Yes, and that they obviously they don't want that to happen because they've left behind in the comic they've left behind like all their friends like but mm-hmm. they are um that rat guy who's like sort of their dad is with them in the comic, right? Splinter. Yes. yes. He's not with them in the TV thing, so I get confused, no. but he is with Okay, so then so at Arkham Asylum the Joker like releases the mutant serum inside the asylum. And so everybody who's there, it's like all the biggest Batman villains ever, and they all mm-hmm. get mutated. So Mr. Freeze becomes a polar bear. Which I love. Bane becomes an elephant. Eh. Scarecrow becomes a crow. Little on the nose for me. Two-Face becomes a baboon. So like they're all um, these kind of distorted monster animal creatures. And honestly, I loved the art in in the transformations. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it, it's interesting that you say that. I'm I'm gonna bring the synopsis to a to a close. Basically, Please. it's like you know, <laughs> there's a big fight, and we end up finding a way to get the turtles back to their home universe. Only after you know, um, 
shoot, what's his name? Casey. And April. April was always my favorite when I was a kid, so I was really right. sad that she's only in like the last issue. Yeah, I mean, because the whole idea is that it shouldn't be easy to just hop between universes, mm-hmm. but they managed to open up the portal. So Shredder is kind of like temporarily defeated as usual so that he can go back and wreak havoc in their own world. And uh, Ra's al Ghul and his foot soldiers, who is secretly teaming up with Shredder throughout the six episodes, uh, he gets basically like his butt kicked so that he can continue fighting Batman in the future. Yes. Yeah. Also, there's a bunch of dad stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As there always is because it's Batman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. So it's so hard anytime you're dealing with comics with a historical lore to do Mm -hmm. any kind of synopsis because it sounds it sounds completely unhinged. But the reality is that like within the world of the comic, it makes perfect sense that there's this mutant serum and that this is how it works. Oh, sure. Yeah, it does. But I'll confess that even as you were kind of struggling to make your way through that, (laughs) I could tell that part of it was just you were trying not to get things wrong. And you were maybe confusing a little bit of the comic with the movie. Yeah, I do that. But I think more to the point, this comic series to me felt overloaded. There's so much in it just the very fact that you have every single Batman villain, like Mm -hmm. all of them. Penguin is here. Joker is here. Like, if you've ever thought about a Batman villain, Poison Ivy's here. They're Mm -hmm. all here. Harley Quinn. And it's just like, okay, what if we picked three? (laughs) Yeah, it very much feels like a writer who has gotten the opportunity to work within this universe and they didn't want to blow it. So they said, what if I just put everything in here? Like, this is the kitchen sink approach to writing a comic. And while I applaud the ambition, it does end up feeling a little bit messy. And it kind of feels like we're just putting people in because the fans will recognize them, like maybe some bad fan service as a result. And this is kind of the issue if you're coming into it without a lot of background understanding, is that I think the Batman stuff really overwhelms the Ninja Turtle stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels like the Ninja Turtles are just here as a device to have this mutant serum. But this right. whole story could exist without the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like they're not, Absolutely. they don't need to be here. No, because there's plenty of Batman villains who are working on various concoctions that could cause some kind of mutation. And you're you're right. I think it's by virtue of having the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles come to Gotham as opposed to Batman go to New York City or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. But we should be able to play with some fish out of water stuff. And it really feels like the only place we're dabbling in that is that the turtles don't always understand every little nuance of Gotham. But it's so similar to New York City that it's actually not that big of a stretch. So it really just results in them being confused for villains early on, which is a very conventional way to do a team up, right? Oh, you're new. I think you're bad. We fight briefly. And then we learn, oops, we're on the same side. Yeah, it's, you know, they they do try to play on a few of the TMNT tropes that even somebody like me, who only ever watched the cartoon as a kid, knows. Mm -hmm. You know, like, they make Alfred order them pizza. And, like, he's like, I was going to make you a three-course meal, but now you're just having (laughs) pizza. And there's, like, several pizza, like, (laughs) moments. There's several sort of visual moments with the masks. Like, there, there are little bits of it, but I honestly felt kind of like the little bits of TMNT service just made me realize how little there was compared to the Batmaniness. Like, this is a Batman book Mm -hmm. that the Ninja Turtles appear in. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, when you look at the title, it's actually Batman slash Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, whereas the movie actually puts in a versus, which Mm -hmm. I think is actually a sort of important semantic difference. Agreed. But, um... Yeah, it to me this was almost a little disappointing because I've read James Tinian the Fourth in a number of other comic forms, and he does typically write very dark, very adult stuff. So I think he approached this more from that perspective. And then I'll also confess, I find the art really ugly. <laughs> this it's probably more of a personal preference, but I did not like the way that this looked. It's interesting because I really thought it worked well in certain aspects. I liked mm-hmm. the the gritty feel of Gotham, even though the story right. isn't particularly gritty. I like, nah. and as I already said, I really like the mutant animal creatures because they're mm-hmm. almost like it would have been really easy to do like the penguin as a penguin and have him just be a penguin, but instead, right. which is kind of what they do in the film, a little but bit. Instead, yeah. these are like. These are mutant animals. They're like Mm -hmm. profoundly deformed and really unsettling to look at. And I dug that very much. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think that's where leaning into the darker side of the story did end up benefiting things. I mean, at any stage of this conflict, there's never any worry that anyone is in danger. Uh, We know that Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are going to come to some kind of an agreement. So there isn't a huge amount of surprise rises and i think that's why the transformations end up becoming a big standout because it does feel like something new and maybe unexpected yeah agreed should we talk about the adaptation yeah let's jump over to that because i actually feel like it's more successful i agree it all happened so fast we have to stop them batman whatever they are They're going to regret stepping foot in Gotham. This is our big score, gentlemen. Get the bat! Fire! Fire! Do I look like a friggin' bat to you? Huh? I've read rumors about a supernatural bat creature in Gotham, but I assumed it was an urban legend. Ninja turtles. We came to Gotham to stop Shredder and the Foot Clan. man who will help us destroy this city is right behind this door. <laughs> oh, come on! Robin, Batgirl, these inmates were the deadliest criminals in all of Gotham. <laughs> Let's move. It's time for this city to destroy itself. Take them down. We need answers. You're welcome to try. Dig fast. He thought too fast. We're not your enemy. This is still my city. If they're ready for a fight, we bring them a freaking fight. You are no match for me. Let's end this. Okay, so the movie adaptation comes out in 2019. It is an animated film directed by Jake Castorina and written by Marley Halpern Grazer. And I'll confess 
they keep a lot of the same things. Like there's mm-hmm. whole stretches of dialogue. Uh, most of the characters continue to appear, although we only send the Ninja Turtles. And it's within the same universe. So in this version of the story, Gotham and New York City are two different cities, but we're in the same world. Mm-hmm. Which I think is one of the smartest choices that this makes. So we're removing this idea of we're trying to get portals, yes. blah, blah, blah. Like the machine that they're building is just to set off the mutagen into the atmosphere so that we can basically transform the entire city of Gotham into mutated creature kind of things. Because because Ra's al Ghul is always like, oh, cities, money, the decay of society, burn it all to the ground. He's very he's nihilistic that he's way. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's, he's not wrong. <laughs> although there are probably easier ways to raise a, a capitalist society than turning them all into mutants. We don't all go for the easy answer. <laughs> why's it gotta be so complicated bros come on <laughs> and then you you alluded to the fact that we also have batman batgirl and robin in this as well so it definitely makes it feel more accessible or approachable for younger audiences mm-hmm. and i would say that the the animation style is a little bit more in keeping with what you would normally see or like animated superhero shows. So this is co-done by DC and Nickelodeon, and I feel like you can see the Nickelodeon. Can I confess, though, that I really don't like this animation style? It's something that keeps me away from DC comic adaptations, to be perfectly honest. Okay, in what way? I can't really put my finger on it, and I'm... It's... I I really can't put my finger on it. There's something that I find very... um, I don't know. I guess I find it a lot more cartoony than the content typically lends itself to. And so, like, I always feel like there's this disconnect when you try to tell, like, a complicated story with really sort of – I don't know. There's something about it that I'm not articulating well, except that I almost never watch – particularly DC Studios animation. And it's Hmm. this is the style that I don't like. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. My sort of visually grading thing was I didn't like the way that the turtles were drawn, although Mm. that was more of an initial impression and I ended up getting used to it over the course of the film. But they feel like they're drawn in a completely different sense than what you're talking about from the rest of the look. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I mean, I think the superhero stuff is a bit more traditionally rounded, I don't know, muscly curvature, whereas the turtles look almost more like sketches. They're quite angular in a weird way for turtles. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a bit of a weird thing. But overall, I mean, the the story is kind of the same. And Shredder teaming up with Ra's al Ghul, they're going to like take over the city and they do administer the mutagen to the people in Arkham, but it's sort of like the two-thirds of the way mark. We we deal with all of the traditional foes in a big set piece, and then the movie almost hits a soft reboot so that we can take care of Shredder and Ra's al Ghul separately mm-hmm. and, and dismantle this machine before it gets into the universe. And I thought that it was smart to streamline it, but it also felt anticlimactic because we have this massive sequence with all of these Batman villains. And then it's like, oh, and now we're going to do a bit of a car chase and some other stuff. 
Yeah, I agree completely. I think structurally it's a little it's a little bit messy and it mm-hmm. doesn't quite know what the central focus is. So right. very similar to the comic, it gets confused about who it's most interested in, but where the comic just is like, well, we're a Batman comic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really <laughs> trying to tell both of these stories. And right. to some extent it's successful. I would say that something that the film does well is lean into the humor of the Ninja yes, Turtles. Agreed. And also into the humor of Batgirl. Robin is so whiny and irritating in this. <laughs> He's a brat. Oh it's my true. God. Like we get it. You don't like the Ninja Turtles. I'm not a huge fan either. Could you shut up? Like, oh my God. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but I think you also get payoffs to some of these yes. mini arcs. So, you know, Robin ends up coming around when he has to work with Raphael and we've got a little bit of a flirtation going on so between cute. Batgirl and Donatello because, you know, they're both very smart and so on. Mm-hmm. So I... I liked those because it actually felt like we got to single out some of the turtles because I think the risk of having so many heroes in a single property is that everybody's a hero mm-hmm. and nobody feels like they're their own individual character. Whereas here, the, the turtles each kind of have an opportunity to do something and shine. Yeah, I agree. I think the characterization is more fleshed out for the turtles here, which makes it feel more like a crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate, I did appreciate that. And as I say, I appreciated the sort of lighthearted approach. I mean, it it's sort of weird that the comic takes itself as seriously as it does. Right, because we're talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know? I mean, <laughs> they're an inherently funny property. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're they're silly. They're, they're a little silly. bit campy even. Yeah. So and I think that the movie leans into that really nicely and the payoff is good, especially in those relationship pieces, although I honestly could have done without Robin. Uh, I mean, it's hard to deal with a bratty teenage character. Like, you could argue that Michelangelo is the same kind of shtick, except that he's so silly and yes. kind of dumb that I actually found he was my favorite character of the film. And to sort of shift away from some of the characters, I think the other thing that the animated film does well is that we can play with the way we're viewing some of the violence and the Mm -hmm. action. So it actually feels more, I don't know, exciting, more more visually playful because we can move the camera to like focus in on certain kinds of hits and that kind of stuff. Whereas the comic felt just a little bit stilted in some of its presentation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah, I mean, this was something where I think we both knew it was going to be testing us to get out of our wheelhouse a little bit. I think by understanding that you can be a little bit silly and campy and focus on how young some of these characters are, Mm -hmm. the movie ends up playing better and is also, I think, just also a better fit for our show. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I got to the end, as I said, of the comic, and I was like, well, I don't know how we're going to do YA bingo with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I got to the end of the film, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, they really did lean into these teenage characters, and they're sort of, you know, I don't know. I I, I found the film fun. I would mm-hmm. say that if you have any interest in either of these characters, or you even just have some nostalgia for the cartoons of your youth, and you haven't checked in on this universe in a while, this is a perfectly fine way to spend an hour and a half. You will have a few laughs, and it's mm-hmm. it's fun to watch. Yeah. I would say that the comic, you, you got to be pretty, pretty diehard Batman completionist for the comic, I got to say. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll confess, even the length of it felt too long for yeah. me for how slight the story was. Like, I found myself itching to just be done with yeah. the comic, <laughs> yeah. which is, again, very annoying to me because I enjoy this writer. But I found the the structure of it as well as the art was just like, okay, I'm ready to be done with this. Whereas putting on the film, it was kind of easy breezy. I think I watched this on a Friday night and it was like, yeah, I had a glass of wine. I watched mm -hmm. it. I had a good time, a couple of laughs, and then it was done. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I, I'm actually really appreciative of Max for the suggestion because as we all know, if it was left up to me, we would just watch you know, white girls break their hearts for uh, 52 <laughs> episodes a year. So it's good oh that I get asked <laughs> to watch different things. And I, I hope we've discussed it in a way that did it justice for you, Max, even if maybe we didn't like love it, love it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would definitely recommend the film. I probably wouldn't, as you said, recommend the comic unless people were either intimately familiar with one of the two properties or more specifically a Batman fan. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so you teased the YA bingo. Shall yeah. we play a quick game? I think that we should. Okay. Bingo! Not a good bingo. So definitely, I, I started to say to Joe before we started recording today, like, it's not tropey. That's not true. It's wildly tropey. It's just not <laughs> YA tropey. So there it's, we go. it's not going <laughs> to do super well on our bingo board. Um, I'm going to give one to Dead Family, obviously, because right. Lord, could Batman go 10 seconds without mentioning his parents? Honestly. I mean, we almost made it. There was a moment <laughs> where I was like, maybe we won't talk about it. And then it's like Batman takes them to the street and says, this is <laughs> when my parents were shot. <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> Get Batman some actual therapy challenge 2023. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give an aged up to the comic because mm -hmm. if they didn't have teenager in the name, you would not know that these are teenage mutant ninja no. turtles. Mm -mm. I'm going to say road trip because in the film, we are traveling between Gotham and New York. Yeah, definitely. Um, and of course, we're playing with borrowed time because we have to stop Shredder and Ra's al Ghul before their dastardly plan is executed. Well, in the comic, they have to get back before the mutagen in this world wears off and they turn into turtles again. Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And a montage for the film version, we get a lot of the mutations of the villains. It mm -hmm. has a little bit of a montage vibe. I would have liked like, oh, for sure. more of a musical background there, but you know, you can't get mm. everything you want all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about some house porn for that bat cave? Because it's big enough oh you can God. fit an entire T-Rex model in it. That's amazing. I always think that um, the bat cave is just a good example of why we need to redistribute wealth, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to have to call it supernatural because the science in both the comic and the film are not science. <laughs> that is not even magic. It's like God knows what, but it's fun to watch. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of that is very true. What do you think about good friendships for the relationship between the turtles? Oh, yeah, that's true. And also the sort of um, emergent relationships between Robin and Batgirl and the turtles as we get to the end. I think they mm -hmm. start to trust each other and develop good friendships. So I would give you that. Very good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, all that to say. It was never going to be a line. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Joe, I do always enjoy getting slightly out of my comfort zone with you. So thank you for another strange and fun podcast episode. <laughs>
yeah. So maybe before we say where we're going to go next week, do you want to ping people what they should be reading for book club? Yes. Okay. Good reminder. So our next book club coming out at the end of February is A Cuban Girl's Guide to Tea and Tomorrow. It is fun. It is light. It goes well with a cup of tea. So strongly recommend for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for those of you who are reading ahead or just want to make sure you can get your hands on a copy, the March book club will be Apple by Eric Gansworth. Right. And folks, we uh, were into a new month and a new year. We recognize we're coming in a little bit late, but of course, this is still technically just the second episode of the new year for Brenna and I. <laughs> so one of the things that we want to do to try to encourage people to feel a little bit more connected to the pod is obviously we want to hear your thoughts on book club. So that's a kind of once a month thing. But we are going to try to do a little bit more of like a mailbag listener response to other episodes as well. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to this episode and you want to say something to us, maybe not a constructive criticism, but if you have like other thoughts about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or superhero comics or graphic art and that kind of stuff... If you want to send us some thoughts, either via tweet or via the email, if you want to send them in by the end of the week, we will turn it around and do a little mini episode the following week. So we're going to try to start doing this on a weekly basis. So you'll get just a a little mini episode if people write in. And if people don't, then you get nothing. (laughs) It's also a nice way for us to capture some of the fun things that come in. Like, for example, last week's book club the episode came out and then it was followed by a really great tweet thread by tea books and chocolate and we don't really have a way to capture that right now on the show Mm -hmm. so this is our kind of new way of sharing more of the feedback that we get so yeah please do write in you know even if it's just to tell me about the things from teenage mutant ninja turtle universe that i should read i'd love to hear it (laughs) if you do want to get in touch with us you can find us on the twitters at hkhs pod or on the hashtag hkhs pod uh joe where do they find you I can be reached at B still my remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. And the best way to get in touch with us if you want to be included in the mailbag is to email us, hkhspod at gmail.com. And we would love to make this a much more regular part of the show. So mm-hmm. please let us know what you're thinking. And mm-hmm. let me tell you that next week's episode is a lot more in my comfort zone, Joe. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> We are watching Reservation Dogs Season 2. I could not be more excited to get back into this world to find out what has happened to our characters. Mm -hmm. So it's on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, please make sure that you do. And we will be talking about that next week. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's still on like FX or whatever if you live in the States. Oh, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) We're Canadians. What can we say? America, that whole other country. Them. All right, folks. So uh, yeah, you've got what you're reading, you've got what you're watching, and you've got a reason to get in touch. So until next time, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. Bye-bye.